a great time of worship together, and there's always something special about worship during the Christmas season, too, when we sing some of those songs that we don't get to sing the rest of the year, and just reminding us of the promise and the hope that is Christmas. I'm so glad to have each of you here this morning, and those joining online as well, as we dive into the Christmas story, and as we hear different aspects of it, and, and uh, as I was preparing this series and thinking about what do we need to talk about during Christmas, uh, this line from the song, O Holy Night, was uh, continued to kind of ring in my ear. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Now, I know you're wondering, when are we going to sing that song? We're going to sing that song Christmas Eve, so we're just going to keep building it up until Christmas Eve. You're going to have to wait until Christmas Eve to sing that song. But this idea of a weary world, we're tired, we're, we're worn out, and, and, and we're as tired and weary and worn out, and maybe even more so than when the song was first written in the mid-1800s. And I think it's a theme we need to continue to hear that there's a thrill of hope that's on the horizon because I know each and every one of us needs hope. Because when hope runs out, then, then, then we, we're, we're in trouble and we need that hope. Now last week we began talking about how do we move from weariness to wonder. Wonder begins to, to renew that hope. Wonder begins to rekindle that. And, and I'm just kind of wondering how are you doing on those three things we talked about last week. Remember, if you weren't here last week, I'll recap. But to move from weary to wonder, the first thing you needed to do is to be still and to get some rest. How are you doing with that? A little, little tougher this week. I know I'm, I've not been doing as well with that one. We had a full week this last week with the Holly Jolly Christmas car parade, and we had a service of hope and healing on Thursday night, and the American seniors had a banquet, on, a Christmas banquet on Friday night, and lots of things going on, right? It's hard to find rest and to be still, but that's important. The second thing we talked about is being present. How are you doing with that? To not just try to get through all the different things and through the events, but to be present, to be here this morning, not to worry about anything else. You're here. You've got this time set aside. Let's, let's be present in this moment, in this place, with the people God has placed around you. To be present and to really see what God has. And ultimately, to be awed was what we talked about. To stand again in that place of wow and wonder and really be captivated by what is possible. Even as we sing these songs that, that we're in the Father's house, that God can do amazing things, that we can leave our shame at the door, that we can find hope and healing. And that's what we want to talk about today. How do we find that hope? I want to talk about hope today. What is hope? What is hope? What have you ever hoped for? How would you describe hope? Hope is this longing, it's this desire, and this expectation for a certain thing to happen. Right? You, you set your sights to the future, you're going, man, I, I want that thing, I hope that this will happen. And, and isn't it just so that Christmas if there's a word that defines Christmas, hope is one of those words. Hope, this expectation, this longing for something to happen. I think even uh, unlike other holidays, this one, as we celebrate Christmas, it begins again weeks ahead of time. You start getting those boxes of decorations out from the basement. You start getting those lights out. We're building hope and anticipation. Why are we decorating? Why are we adorning things with lights? There's something coming. Something's about to happen. And that expectation and that excitement builds throughout the month. Advent calendars, anyone have advent cal calendars at home? You know they make all different kinds of advent calendars these days? I grew up just having like the chocolate ones where you get, get like one every day of the, the month leading up to Christmas. They now have um, cheese advent calendars. We have one of those at home. A different cheese every day of the month. Nothing says celebrating Christ's birth and having a piece of cheese every day in his anticipation arrival. They have... Uh, they have puppy advent calendars, special dog treats for, for okay, we'll go, we, anyway. We celebrate this anticipation in all these different ways of what's to come. And of course, one of the things that we always look forward to is the gifts on Christmas Day, right? The, the gifts that we get to open up. Our, our girls have this hope, and the hope is expressed in what's called a wish list. Anyone else make a, a wish list for Christmas? 
They posted it right on the wall, right in our living room, so we can't miss them. You have to walk by them all the time. Christmas wish list. And, and what is a wish list? A wish list is a hope, an expectation that I would love to receive this coming up, that, that this wish and this hope that's written on paper in my mind will become reality in just a few more weeks. And the reality is there's going to be some things that are going to excite them. A wish fulfilled, a dream, the hope is real, and the other reality is some of those things are going to be a disappointment. Sorry, girls. Uh, we can't fulfill every wish on that list. One of our daughters asked for a, full, for a full-sized horse and wasn't quite sure if that meant an actual horse, which she wouldn't complain about, but then like a massive stuffed animal or something. I don't know, um, but we'll see. Anyway, um, <laughs> wish lists, hope. You know, we set our hope, and then we, we want to see those things that to be fulfilled, and some things are and some things aren't. But isn't that like life, Right? We have hopes in this life. We have hopes in this world, things that we, we'd love to see, things we want to experience. We have, we have dreams about our college and career and who we're going to marry and what life is going to be like or the adventures we're going to have, the things we're going to do, the way life is supposed to play out. And we have these hopes and these dreams, and we go, God, I wish these things will be fulfilled. And when those things don't happen or happen in the way that we want, what happens? Hope gets dashed. And hope can easily move into despair and hopelessness. And we go, God, what, I thought this was going to happen. I thought some things were going to be different in my life. How come this isn't happening the way that I had anticipated? And when hopelessness sets in, it's a dark place to be. It's a difficult place when life changes. I know one of the most challenging times in my life, I've shared with, the, with you before, but, but when a, one of our ministries came to an end abruptly, unexpectedly, I was forced to resign. And, and, uh, and, and it was amazing that within an hour, within an hour, your life can change. Within a minute, as some of you guys know, your life can change. And the things you had hoped and dreamed and thought about are not there. And they don't happen the way you had. And all of a sudden, you, you, it's like when, when hope gets dashed, it feels like your future gets erased. Because so much of hope lives in the future, in the anticipation of what's to come. And God began to restore and rebuild and renew. And he gave us an opportunity to come here to Meadow Park. And, and a new hope emerged. And we've been here now four and a half years and let me just say, the first three years here have been very challenging, been very challenging. As a matter of fact, about a year and a half ago, and, and, and I don't even really want to share this, but as I thought about this story and I thought about, well, where do I come to those points as I wrestle with this message of places of despair or of hopelessness or where hope seems to be gone, it was about a year and a half ago where I was at the end of my rope, at the end of hope, going, is this really the right thing? Is this really, God, what you've called me to? God, are you really going to move in this place? I, I, I thought what I had imagined, what I had hoped for, isn't, isn't happening. And, you have, and if you've been in a place like that, you, you might start having self-doubt. God, is, am I who you've called me to be? Am I doing what you've asked me to do? And, 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 and if we stop seeing the future and we stop wondering if things are going to happen, it's hard to continue on. And we got to that place, and thankfully, Miraculously, amazingly, and God continued to work and bring restoration, brought some healing, and hope is returning. And I got to say here, this last year and a half here at Meadow Park has been wonderful, has been amazing as I feel God's spirit moving and changing, and, and we feel it in our worship and in the joyfulness of the people and the happiness that we experience just in the hallways and in the conversations. And, it's, and what begins to happen as hope begins to come back in, what I've noticed in myself is that a future begins to emerge. You begin to see beyond the, the difficulties in the now, right? Can anyone relate with me on some of this in your own life, right? When, you, when you're stuck in a hopelessness or, or a despair or things aren't working out, you're just zeroing in on that. But what hope allows you to do is it allows you to raise your sights again and envision a new path and envision a new future. And I think that's what we need to look at. How do we find a new hope and a future? 
Because when despair is there and hopelessness is there, it's a difficult and dark place to be. So have you experienced some of that despair? Some of that hopelessness? Maybe you're in that season right now. Maybe some things have happened just recently that, that feel like your whole world is, is, is just crashing down around you. Or maybe it's just one part of your life. Maybe it's just one area. Everything else is going well, but, but in this one area of life, there's just a lot of disappointment. You know, you went after that promotion and you just you didn't get it. You know, you applied for that job and it didn't happen, or you got laid off, or you got fired, right? You, your world changes in an instant. The hopes that you had for your marriage are, are, are really struggling right now. And while everybody's celebrating the holidays and acting happy with family, you're wrestling with whether or not divorce is going to be in your future. The challenges are there. The hopes that you've had, the dreams that you have financially, maybe while others seem to be doing well and buying gifts and doing these things, you're wondering, can I put the presents under the tree or can I pay the mortgage this next month? When we get into these places, it's a hard place to be. Well, we need a thrill of hope. And so we're going to look at the Christmas story today in a different way. We're going to look at a different part of the story because the Christmas story reminds us to never give up hope. Never give up hope. We always have hope. And so what I want to look at today is too, with God's help, I want you to understand this, with God, it's never too early and never too late for hope. That's the principle we want to drive home today, that with God, it's never too early and it's never too late for hope. And so hold on to that today as we look into the Christmas story. And as you turn the pages to the New Testament, you've got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and Luke tell a lot of the, the Christmas story. Luke gives us some other details as well, and, and, and today we're going to focus primarily in, in Luke. And as we look at this, this Christmas story, the, the Christmas story begins um, with a miraculous birth, and a birth that nobody expected, nobody anticipated, a birth that we thought was impossible, that was really going to change the direction and, and give people a lot of reason to worship, but I'm not talking about the birth of Jesus. There were two miraculous births that start the Christmas story, if you read Luke. We often skip over the first because we get so excited to jump right into to, to Christmas and the birth of Christ. But there was another miraculous birth that was unexpected, that was unanticipated, and that was so important into the overall story of what God was doing in that place and in that way. And so if you even read about Mary and the angel appearing to Mary and telling her that she was going to have a child and she was surprised and going, Lord, how can this be? I'm a virgin and I'm young and I can't, I, this can't even be possible. And he said, actually, what's more is your cousin, Elizabeth, she's already in her sixth month. And what's amazing about that is Elizabeth was already well advanced in years, well beyond childbearing years. And she was now, the angel told Mary that Elizabeth was going to have a baby. It's this amazing story that takes place, and, and what I want to do is I want to dive into that story a little more to help us understand what happens to hope, and how can hope be rekindled, and how can hope be restored. And so now we're going to look at the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah and the baby that was born to them. I know you may not have like little carved figures that you put by your nativity set with, you know, with, with Elizabeth and Zechariah and, and little baby John, right? That, that's a different one. But, but they are connected very much so to this story. And so we're going we're gonna to jump into that, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to hear about this couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Luke chapter 1, verses 5. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So they were very faithful, devout followers of the, of, of the, the, the Jewish faith, 
and actually because of their lineage and their heritage, they would serve in the temple, and Zechariah's group was up to serve, and so we read about that here. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So here he, he goes in. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. So we set the scene, and this is actually how Luke begins saying, if you want to understand the story of Jesus, if you want to understand how this all ties together, let me start with Zechariah and with Elizabeth and this, the birth of this baby. And so here's this couple who's been faithful their whole life serving the Lord, trying to be faithful and, 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 and honoring God and serving him in that way, and yet this prayer that they've prayed for years was unfulfilled, this desire to have a child. And I'm sure at some point maybe they stopped praying, thinking, okay, well, we're beyond childbearing years now, and I guess it's just not what was for us. But, but in that society and in that culture, not having children was seen as not having God's blessing. And so they desired that blessing, but they continued to be faithful and devout in, in, in the way they lived their life. And so this New Testament begins with this amazing revelation of this angel standing there in, in the temple next to Zechariah, telling him not only that he's going to have a son, but also that the Messiah is coming. This is the moment in history where this promised Messiah will arrive. And by the way, you're going to have a son, and he's going to have an important role in this. And your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a baby. And so I, I found it interesting, too, as I think about the beginning of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament story. The Old Testament begins with creation, and the New Testament begins with creation, these miraculous creations of two children, one born to a woman too young, too early, too soon, in a way that many thought she could have a child, and one born to a woman and a husband who thought they were too old and too far beyond the stage, and yet God was able to create new life and new beginnings. So as, as this amazing promise comes, as this, this hope is, is, is delivered, and, and Zechariah you know, is, is there with the angel, and he says, the angel says, I've heard your prayers. What have you prayed for for a long time? What do you continue to pray for, a hope that's not been realized, or just, just, just continue to bring before God that you've given up on? And in this moment, there's this confirmation from the angel to Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. But now Zechariah hears this, and he hears this amazing story. Of, we're going to have a son, and I'm supposed to name him John, and, and my wife's going to have a baby. All this stuff is going on. He's still, in the, he's still in, the, in the temple, and the people are outside praying. But as he's processing all this here in verse 18, this is what Zechariah says to the angel. How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. Doubt disbelief. This is impossible. How can this happen? I mean, I'm excited, but, but I don't want to get my hopes up again. I don't want to get disappointed again. If I come out of here and I tell my wife, no, the angel told me we're going to have a baby and then it doesn't happen and, and it just doesn't, you know, so he's having his struggles. He's doubting. He's got this hope, but now he's trying to make it sense of how is this going to work out and he can't figure it out. Well, here's one thing I think we can learn from this. Hold tightly to hope, but hold loosely to when and how it will be fulfilled. Right? Hold tightly to hope, but hold loosely to when and how it will be fulfilled. I think that's where we get tripped up so many times. We have our timeline. We have the way it's supposed to happen. God, it's supposed to happen in this way. 
Well, I think the, the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus reminds us that God can surprise us in amazing ways. The hope had been there for generations that a Messiah, a Savior, was coming, right? And what did the people expect? A warrior king, one who would set up an earthly kingdom, who would rule from, from Jerusalem, from his palace, and, and, and have a political victory. But no, what they found was a Savior born in a stable to people of, of not great uh, reputation. I mean, they didn't have a bad reputation, but they weren't known. They weren't well known. And, and he wanders the earth, and, and he's, he's, he's homeless <laughs> for most of his life, right? He just, as he's doing his ministry... People have lots of trouble with him. The religious establishment doesn't recognize him as the Messiah. Ultimately, people abandon him. He's executed on a Roman cross. He's placed in a borrowed tomb. This was not the hope, right? If you would hear this whole story and, and not know the ending, you'd think, how is this the hope fulfilled? Again, hold tightly to the hope, but hold loosely to how that's going to be fulfilled, how Jesus fulfilled that promise through the empty tomb and through the resurrection. What hopes have you been holding on to? And where do you need God, where do you need to give God some room to allow him to fulfill that in a different way? There's a phrase that I'd heard years ago called, follow your compass, not your clock. And I come back to that periodically in my life. Because what happens is we, we're, we're clock-driven people, meaning I want things to happen at a certain way, at a certain time, and then we go back and saying, you know, I'm, I'm 25 and this hasn't happened yet. I'm 35 and this hasn't happened. I'm 55 and it hasn't happened. I thought by 65, you know, we, we're always like trying to measure and think what should happen when in our life. And this reminder says, follow your compass. Follow that direction. Go in the way that you're supposed to go. Be honorable. Be faithful like, like Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were righteous. They continued to honor God. They were faithful in that way. And in due time, the answer came, follow your compass. Go in that right direction and allow God's timing to fulfill it when he is ready. So Zechariah has this doubt. He doesn't know how this is going to happen. And here's how the angel responds to him, beginning verse 19. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. So hello, <laughs> If this isn't surprising enough, if you're doubting this, I mean, do you need more evidence? Do you need more proof? I've stood in the presence of God himself and bring this to you based on his command. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled when? At the proper time. All right, God's timing. The words will be fulfilled. The promise is true. It's going to happen. We have to trust God's word. He's saying, look, I stood in God's presence. I bring you this news from him. When we have God's word, when he, we have God's hope, when we have God's promise, we can hold on to that. We can take that to the bank. Because you see, our hope is strong because it isn't in something or someone, but in God. Our hope isn't in something or in someone. Our hope is in God. We're, we're people all the time that, that, we, that, that we put our hope in things and in other people. And other things and other people will disappoint us. They will let us down. And so, you know, we, we put our hope in, uh, we, you know, we put a hope in our spouse and in our marriage. Now, I have a lot of hope in my wife. She has hope in me, but at the same time, I've disappointed her. She's never disappointed me, but I've disappointed her. <laughs> Let's use another example. Um, <laughs> you know, we put our hope in, and then what happens when, when struggles come? And we put our hope in so many different things. We put our hope in, in government and in politics. And if this leader gets elected and if that party rules and if that law gets passed and if that justice is, in, you know, these justices are elected and, and if this movement prevails, 
And we put our hope in those things, and, and eventually those hopes are going to disappoint us. The laws aren't going to make the difference in the end. There's got to be something bigger at play. We put our hope in this great company we've worked for our whole lives. We put our hope in this manager, this boss that I've, I've worked for. And eventually what's going to happen, you might be disappointed. The company might collapse. You put your hope in, in stock, the stock market. You put your hope in crypto. You put your hope in, in your 401k. In your retirement, we put our hopes in so many different things. We put our hopes in medicine. The doctor will save us. This medicine will save us. Now, I don't say that we shouldn't trust some of those things. We shouldn't put some hope into those things. God uses those very things in our life to, to bless us and to, to, to you know, move among us. But if that's our ultimate hope, we will be disappointed. Our hope isn't in those things. Our hope is in God. And that's where we need to shift our hope to when those other pieces disappoint us. Point and go to God. But when I think about uh, th this moment where Zechariah is doubting and, and he's saying, look, trust me, I just came from, from God to bring you this message. But then he says, you know, but because you didn't believe, you need to be quiet. You're going to deal with silence now. You're not going to be able to talk. Listen, here's the deal. Stop all the negative talk and disbelief. This was a moment where it's to stop all the negative talk and disbelief. It's as if the angel was saying, stop giving all the reasons why it can't work. Stop saying all the reasons I'm too old and, or, you know, this, is, this can't happen. It's been too many years. God's abandoned me. Whatever your reasons are, we have all these reasons why we think it can't happen to us anymore. Stop and be quiet. Stop asking for proof and assurance. Stop in that way. And, and just what the angel is saying, look, in this moment, if you need more proof or evidence at this point, you just need to be quiet. And in this moment where you're quiet, what are you going to do? You're going to reflect. You're going to have to think about what I've said. You're going to have to get still and really lean in. And, and the other thing, you're just going to have to sit back and watch and see what God does. See if he's not going to be true to his word and what takes place. So many times we, we just continue in this negative cycle, the things that we say, the things, the self-talk, and why things can't happen to us, why the good can't come, why God isn't working, why it's never going to happen. And at some point, we just need to shut up and stand in awe. And be quiet and trust God at his word and say, it's going to happen. I'm going to keep following my compass. I'm going to keep heading in the direction. And God, in your due time, in your way, it will happen in the proper time. And so, so Zechariah leaves and, and there's this time uh, and, and uh, Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And we don't hear much else during that time. But then we read in Luke 57, 58. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. So the baby came. The promise was fulfilled. Here is the baby. They are now parents to a young little boy. And as was the custom now, there was their time after eight days to take him to the temple for circumcision. And, and so they're, they're bringing him to the temple. And the people around say, let's call him Zechariah. He, sh he should be called Zechariah after his father. And Mary said, no, his name's going to be John. And they were like, John. Nobody in your family's called John. What's John? That'd be like us saying, you know, uh, name your son Earl. There's no Earl in your family. There's nobody around. They're going, what? That makes no sense. Why are you naming that? And in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, there was so much of that family name to be carried on. And so when she said, no, his name is John, they went over to Zechariah and they said, um, Zechariah, Elizabeth is saying that you're going to name him John. Surely you can't name him John. You've got to name him after you. And he motioned for a tablet because he still couldn't speak, right? So he motioned for a tablet and he writes the words, his name is John. Boom. Period. His name is John. Now that might feel like an insignificant part of the story. What, what's going on here? Why is this such a big deal? Well, at that moment, 
Zechariah was able to speak again. At that moment, the words came, came back to him, and it, it says here in verse, uh, in verse 64, Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. It was as if that moment he held on to what the angel said, and at that point, after thinking about it for nine months, he was like, the angel said, my wife's going to have a baby, and I'm supposed to name him John. All right, so she had the baby, and now I'm going to do the one thing the angel says. I'm going to name him John. I'm not going to mess this up, right? He had time to think about it. He held on to that promise, no matter how obscure or how unreasonable or how crazy it seemed. Maybe God is calling you to sell it all and to go and to be a missionary somewhere. Right? You kind of expect to hear that in church, but we know of a couple of uh, uh, friends that did that. They had a dental practice, and they sold it all and gave up everything, and they went to become missionaries in Haiti. And you might say, that sounds absurd. That's crazy. Why would anyone do that? If God tells you and you feel compelled in your spirit and that you know it's from God no matter how crazy it is, you build the ark in the desert when it hasn't rained in a while. That's the Noah story. You name your son John when everyone else thinks it should be named something else. You, you, you do what God has called you to do. Maybe to change that path that you're on. Maybe to make, uh, to make a move. Maybe you sell your car and you give it, or give it away to somebody. What is God calling you to do? Telling you to step out and to start that ministry or to serve in a place you've never served before, and you do that, and other people go, why would you do that? If God has called you, you do that, and you follow. And Zechariah did that, and in that moment, it was as if God said, all right, release his tongue. <laughs> Let him speak. He's been faithful. He's been honorable. And what is the first thing he does? He praises God. He just gives God honor. He gives him praise, and it says all the people around were in awe. And there we see that awe again, that wonder, when we see God working, when we see God moving. And so now, Zechariah and Elizabeth, their promise is fulfilled. They have this baby, and now they can be a happy family and live out the rest of their lives. I hope they did that. But was that the purpose? Was that the point? Now, of course, God wanted to bless them. This was a desire of their heart. But there was a bigger narrative that was going on. There was a bigger reason, and probably a bigger reason God waited for them this time for them to have a baby, because it wasn't just about them having a child for their sake and for, for their family's well-being. Although that was a blessing for sure to them, God was writing a bigger story. And at the end of chapter 1 in, in, in Luke, we read about Zechariah's prophecy. And it says the Holy Spirit filled him and began to just declare this amazing um, prophecy about this child that was to be born, but not necessarily his son, but about Jesus. That the Messiah was coming, that, that the Lord is now turning his eye to the world and his, his heart to the, to the people. And that there's a new day that is dawning and he understands and realizes that his son just like the angel told him, would be the one who would prepare the way. That he would be the one that would come before him. And it was John the Baptist that we know would, would, uh, went out and began to tell people to repent for their sins because the Messiah is coming. So he had this more important role in the bigger narrative of introducing the arrival of the Savior. And, and Zechariah realized this. And after he declares that prophecy in verse 76, it's almost like he then looks to his son and he says this. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. He understood there's a bigger story going on. This isn't just about me and my family and my son and our future. This, that God is writing a story, and we get to be a part of that. And then he puts it in very poetic language in the next couple of verses here. He says, because of God's tender mercy... The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. In the end, he understood it was all about Jesus. 
It was all about preparing the way. It was all about God's story unfolding and that this was going to be a hope to the world. That the purpose of his son, the purpose of his child was, was, was much greater than he could have ever imagined. And it was a new hope that took place, a new birth to that hope that they thought was long, dead, and past. But ultimately, he understood the hope isn't just in God doing something for us, but that we get to be a part of something that God is doing. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 21, it says, And his name will be the hope of all the world. Whose name? Jesus' name. He's not just the hope of some, the hope of some. He's the hope of all the world. He's, his name is synonymous with hope. That when we have this hope, it's not just, again, in something or someone, but it's in God. It's in the creator of the universe. It's in the God who can bring about resurrection and to bring about new life. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 3. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I love that, a living hope. It's not just a hope that you kind of, I hope it'll happen, I hope it'll I'll get something for Christmas. I hope this will work out. I hope I get to, you know, travel and do this one day. It's this living hope. It's a hope that can take birth in our spirits, a hope that can bring us alive. It's a resurrection hope. And that resurrection hope can take a barren womb. It can take a virgin womb. It can bring new life out of those places in our life, in our spirit, when, we're, when, we're, when we feel like time has passed us by. When we think that hope is gone, a new life can emerge. You know, maybe you feel like, you know, I'm too old. Maybe you feel like Elizabeth and, and Zechariah. Time has passed me by. Those things that I'd hoped for, they're just never going to happen. Or maybe I'm too old for God to use me in this particular way, or my time has passed. God is not done. He can birth a new spirit. He can birth a new dream. He can put a new hope. He can use you in ways in your family and in the church and the community that you've never imagined before. And even though we didn't talk much about Mary, but maybe you feel like Mary and you think, I'm too young. God, me? How could you use me to be the, the, the mother of, of the Savior of the world? And yet God chose her in a faithfulness. She stepped forward and said, all right, God, use me. And you step into that. You're never too old. You're never too young. And just like Mary, when she questioned, how could it be that I could have a child? And how can it be that Elizabeth could have a child? What does the angel say to her in Luke 1.37? He says this, for nothing is impossible with God. That's the hope that we have. And nothing's impossible with God. It is possible. We may not see it. We may not understand it. It may feel like it'll never happen. But with God, if it's his promise and if it's his plan, it will come to pass. Do you have that kind of hope? Can you let even this little glimmer of hope into whatever that dark area is in your life, can you just allow a little bit of that hope in, that living hope that can breathe new life, that can give you a new vision for the future? that can let you see what God might be up to, or God just saying, God, I want, just use me however you can in this season of my life. I'm not too young. I'm not too old. I'm here. I'm available, God. And that living hope can bring new life. I love what it says in Isaiah of what hope does to us. It says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, we say so many times, like, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. And I want to say to you, hold on to hope. But, but I think what some of you might need to hear today is let hope hold on to you. Let hope hold on to you. When you can't feel like you can hold on to hope anymore, let hope hold on to you. Let God's hope hold on to you. That living hope that it's not over, it's not done. In God's time, he will bring to fruition everything exactly as it's supposed to be according to his great plan and his purpose. And we surrender that and we yield to that. It's never too early. 
it's never too late for hope. I want you to say that with me. Say, it's never too early. Say, it's never too late. <laughs> now I want you to say this. I'm never too old. <laughs> say that again. I'm never too old. I'm never too young. For God to do something amazing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder from your word. The way that you miraculously entered the scene. The way that you brought transformation to Zechariah and to Elizabeth's life. Even when they thought hope had passed and the season was done, you birthed something fresh and something new that had such kingdom significance. But they stayed faithful and true, even through the hard times, even through the doubt, even through the struggle. And Father, I pray right now for all, all of those listening here this morning, online, at home, wherever they may be, that are struggling with, with doubt and discouragement, places where hope seems to be fading or maybe even lost, or maybe a chapter is closed and they wonder what would be next. But God, you can birth something fresh. You can birth something new. Set our sights to a new horizon to trust in you, to know, God, that your plan is good for us and that we don't just have a hope that is a, just a wish, but God, that it's a hope that is a living hope that is found in you, that is firm and that is true and that continues to work in our midst. God, restore what is broken, bring new life to what is lost. And Father, today, if any in their soul and their spirit just feel dead, feel barren, feel like they've been passed up where it's too late for them, God, may they know that your spirit can birth new life, can bring new hope, and that they can be alive in you, forgiven from sin, set free to live and to experience you in a whole new way. God, would you bring that restoration? Would you bring new life today? Just by calling out your name, saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. I commit my life to you. And Father, you are faithful and true to honor that prayer and to birth something new in that spirit. So God, no matter how old we are, no matter how young, God, may this be a season of new hope for us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.